Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Man, even laughed at me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. How you doing, dub C-dub, dub C-dub. Oh, man. I'm having an absolute blast with this WCW um, runner shows we're doing. I know when we started it, I thought it was going to be a little bit ropey, a little bit dubious, but I love 1996 Nitro. I am growing to love it more and more every episode we do. I, I think it might be the best wrestling ever. <laughs> it just has everything. It has the crap stuff, which makes good podcasting. It's got the good wrestling that we like as a fan. Yep. It's got long longevity with some storytelling at this moment in time. It's got mystery. It's got familiarity, but it's got new. I mean, don't, you know, we'll save it for when we get to the mauler later, but oh my God, I completely forgot who the mauler was. <laughs> don't blow it yet. So we were meant to be joined by Nick this evening. We had some tech issues. So it's just me and tax, but we will plow on as ever. Um, Go on. You've got something to shill, right? You can do it now or you can do it later? No, I'll, I'll shill it now. So obviously this is all in keeping with the series that we're running, the formation of the NWO. Um, and there's a new uh, wrestling apparel company based in Yorkshire called Super Kicks Apparel. Um, they've been listening to the pod. They've enjoyed the, um, the nitro bastards. element of it. <laughs> <Sorry>. the, the, <laughs> the NWO product based on it. And um, they'd like to offer to our listeners um so if you want to go to superkicks apparel that's uh superkicks spelled s-p-r-k-i-x.com they've got a new halloween line out and if you use the promo code n-w-o in line with what we're doing here uh, you get free shipping for all of the <laughs> items on your order so if you use the promo code n-w-o they ship it to you for free based on the formation of the n-w-o here at the world of wrestling podcast whoa do we get like somewhat of a sponsor there well, let, I'll just, you know, I don't want to blow, real blow my load of the, 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 secret, the secret here. But, you know, if 10 people use our code, we get something in return. No way. What's that code again? NWO. Go do it, people. I want to be a real podcast. I want to make money from this. <laughs> so, so more importantly, um, rather than going to Amazon.co.uk. Yeah, fuck our shit. Buy theirs. <laughs> So remember, guys, that's superkicks, S-P-R-K-I-X.com, or you can go and follow them on Twitter at superkicks, S-P-R-K-I-X. Great company, really nice guys, good quality clothing. They've got a Halloween range coming out, so if you're into Halloween, this is a perfect opportunity. And I said, use the promo code NWO to get yourself a free bit of shipping. Bluetooth, here we come. I can't wait to do the blue So, Rich, you know how we're both essentially married with kids now and we have no sex? Well, let's get a boner party and just have have a boner during the podcast. Oh, I'm use so the, in. Use the code NWO. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week, we are doing episode three of the formation of the NWO series. We're doing WCW Monday Nitro number 37 from the 27th of May. 1996 we are in how do you pronounce this macon georgia macon georgia don't be confused with brazilian football and Macon. we're in macon <laughs> georgia the macon coliseum which looks like a big school hall to be fair to it it does look very much like big gym mm. a massive 4309 people 
with a, a fair selection of empty seats, I would say, tax. Well, they watched last week's show. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know as well, to put this in context where we are of the Monday Night War, um, and I, th- I did have notes on this and I didn't get to it um, last week. So this episode 37 was going up against episode 161 of Monday Night Raw. So obviously, put that in perspective, they've already got two years of Monday nights under their belt. Mm-hmm. But last night... On the 26th of May, 1996, in the world of World Wrestling Federation, it was the infamous pay-per-view, Beware of Dog, where the lights went out during the pay-per-view and all the power went out. Oh, one of my favorite shows ever because it's pretty terrible, to be fair. Like, they they had a really good run of in-your-house pay-per-views with Sean and Taker and Brett. And, like, there's a real good run there of shows. But that one, it's not great from memory. Well, what do you expect when you've got storms and the power goes up and the feed dies? Sure, sure. And then you yeah. do everything in the dark. Don't get confused, everyone. This is not the one with the kennel from hell. No, no, that's much later. That's what, 99, 2000, something like that? Yeah, something like that, where <laughs> they didn't anticipate all the dogs shitting all over the <laughs> arena. <laughs> was it Al Snow and Bossman? That was it, because he ate pepper. But Al Snow's other gadget, like the the um, mannequin head, which was the um um oh the uh, taxidermy head of a deer or something, wasn't it? Um, yeah, sure. Don't remember that bit. I remember the little dog that he cooks, and in the hotel room, he serves him Pepper the pig, not pig. Oh, that was Pepper the dog, <laughs> Pepper the pig. <laughs> Let's move on. So uh, TNT broadcast this, obviously, but we watched it on the network. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cool. So um. Instead of talking about the commentary team to start with, I'm going to do the intro to the show. So we get that Nitro intro. Again, I, I honestly get goosebumps whenever I see this Nitro intro. It makes me feel fucking amazing every time I see it. I know I'm going to have a good show when I see that Nitro start-up video. Absolutely. Like, pre-Russo, anyway. So, <laughs> tons of pyro well, pop- Before the giant WCW <laughs> vagina appears. <laughs> I've never heard it referred. To, I've never heard it referred to as that before, but that's exactly what it is. It will forever be known as the WCW vagina at the top of the stage. Yeah. <laughs> so tons of pyro popping off all over the arena. Um, I want to point out that this is not just on the stage, like Raw. It or like the bit above the ring. It's in the ring. It's the area around the ring. It's either sides of the stage. It's around the edges of the arena. <laughs> like they have an excessive amount of pyro WCW. Like, I think this is why they had such, you know, quite a lot of empty seats because they were like pyro shot areas. So, <laughs> I'll just put them off in row Z, maybe, <laughs> see what happens. I think maybe it's the other way around, you know. You don't sell the seats. What do you do with those seats? Ah, fuck it. Bung some pyro in. <laughs> Billionaire Ted <laughs> yeah. will pay for it, you know. So, all right, boys. Tony Shavoni welcomes us to the show. Fuck yeah. <laughs> You are looking live. Professional wrestling's hottest television. He fucks up the first line. (laughs) (laughs) Professional wrestling's hottest television program has got even bigger. I'm trying to leave the pauses where he leaves them because it's funnier that way. Uh, It's really funny having to like uh, annotate this. So you have to add commas and spaces and full stops wherever he pauses. (laughs) It's really weird. He's obviously nervous. This is his first WCW live broadcast, you know. Well, Well, I'm sure he's been on on Nitros and pay-per-views, hasn't he? I'm not sure because it was Bischoff last week and I've I've not seen enough. I know we did pay-per-views. Obviously, we've done like, you know, Halloween Havocs and stuff in the past. Oh, t- Tony did. Um, Tony did Slamboree. 
Because it was him with Heenan and yeah. Dusty. But not Nitro. Um, hmm. no, that may be a good point. And also, you know, this is the big deal. This is the two-hour broadcast. Indeed. Welcome to WCW Monday Nitro on TNT. It's Memorial Day, 1996. Really <laughs> weird way to say the year. And beginning tonight, each and every Monday, we'll bring you not one, but two hours of WCW action. Hi, everyone. I'm Tony Schiavone. Do you like the tone of voice change? Because that's how he says it. <laughs> he knows how to say his name. He's got confidence in that content. I'm Tony Schiavone, along with the living legend, Larry Zabisco's here, boys. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Great commentary team. Larry Zabisco, who then went on to do what can I described as his unnecessary and overly exuberant hand gesture to essentially <laughs> either salute the fans and bow at the same time. Uh, Larry Zabisco is one of my favorite talkers, man. He's so underrated. Like, he's right up there with the cornets of the world of just being able to go from A to B to C so fast and drop so many jokes that completely get washed over most of the time. He's so smart. Um, I'm looking forward to it as well because if they, we're going to continue to have Larry and Tony pretty for sure the next we do. Yep. sort of seven weeks, seven episodes of Nitro, it's going to be great. Yep. Absolutely, man. Uh, Shivoni continues. We are going to be your co-hosts for the very first hour of WCW Monday Nitro this week. And right before 9 o'clock, our regular broadcast team of Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan will be with you. So they've gone, right, we've got two hours of live TV on TNT. Shivoni and Zabisco are going to do the first hour, and then Eric Bischoff and Heenan are going to do the second hour. Um... What do you think about this concept? It's obviously to keep it fresh, keep it live. And considering that Michael Cole does like three hours of Raw every fucking week now, I can understand why. (laughs) But go on. I think it's going to utilize, it utilizes the talent they've got available. As you said, it it gives a different string to the product. If you notice the, the change of commentary, I think it's to allow the progression of what we're really covering going forward. Because, when we get to later nitros, they're just there for the whole show. I think they did change it up when they went to three hours. But here's an interesting point. And then Heenan pointed this out later on in the night. And again, I don't know if you noted down, so apologies if I'm uh, That's fine. crapping on some of your comments. But as you said, Tony Schiavone said, and before nine o'clock, we're joined by... And did you notice later on in the commentary where they again promoted like the two hour nitro? Mm. And I think Heenan said like hour one starts at eight PM and hour two starts at eight <laughs> fifty. I did. <laughs> That's not an hour. <laughs> yeah. I was like So what you're essentially saying is that you do the commentary switch over for for the big story to get the lead in so everyone sticks around for the second hour. So obviously by doing this commentary transition, it's supposed to add to a bit of, I say, pomp and allure to get people interested because if there's a change, as we're going to see on this episode, not to give too much away as we go through, maybe people think there's a change because something is going to happen. Indeed. I'm not sure it achieves what you're suggesting, but we'll find out as we go along the podcast, I guess. Well, of course, it's the well-known hour, 8, 8.50, <laughs> 8.50, full hour. Shivoni you know? <laughs> <laughs> and Zabisco put over that it's going to be Sting versus Scott Steiner for the first time ever on TV. Uh, does Sting trust Lex? He's the third man, Tax. <laughs> does Scott Steiner's singlet strings get any thinner? <laughs> we'll find out in the main event. <laughs> Summing up the 
complete mess of what used to be WCW and what they're trying to achieve now. Our main event this evening is going to be the giant, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, versus... (laughs) (laughs) It's the shark, it's fucking Earthquake, John Tenter. Oh, when they announced this, I was like, yes, I love WCW so, so much. It's going to be Giant versus Shark in the main event. <laughs> and this is why we didn't garner. We just had lots of empty seats <gasps> in the Macon Coliseum. Oh, it's so good. So uh, also they put over, they put over so much stuff here in this opening segment. Uh, we're going to have Flair and Arn tagging. They don't say against who. We'll find out later in the show. And also... In, in my personal interest, Colonel Robert Parker, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, is going to introduce someone new this evening, Tax. Oh, I wonder who it could be. Who could it be? An exciting debut, you could say. Hmm. <laughs> so this show uh, runs 93 minutes on the network. Obviously, it's a two-hour show with ads. Um, let's carry on. But fuck all that shit. It's not Mongo. It's finally happening, lads they're here (laughs) we've done 96 episodes of this fucking podcast to finally get to this moment american males american males american males tax they've got the clap mate (laughs) i'm so excited any any boy band i mean if they're not wearing zebra print you need a clap just to make people know who the face is we've got to know their faces do you know that when you see them coming better run for cover girls you don't need a weekend lover american males american males oh judy bagwell's little boy because they never they never make it sound like that do they like mrs foley's baby boy at no point has they've gone mrs bagwell's baby boy marcus when, when they finally came out i've never been happier I was just sitting here going, it's fucking American Males. <laughs> We're going to podcast about it. It's so good. I forgot how much Scotty Riggs looked like Chuck Palumbo. Oh, mate. He came out. This map. So basically, it's the American Males. Marcus Alexander Bagwell, as he's called here, and Scotty Riggs versus two of the four horsemen, I guess we're saying. <laughs> without, without the Taskmaster, because, you know, yeah. we've got to have an honest fight. It's, it's horsemen. <laughs> of course. Of Arn Anderson and Rick fucking Flair, and I'm like, hang on a second, we're doing Arn and Flair against the American males. Dubsy dub, dubsy dub. What you've also forgot to mention as well is it's Arn and Flair with Elizabeth and woman and buffet table enclosure. Oh yeah, the the Flair's VIP area is maintained from last week. It's a, it's an interesting gimmick. They start to put over finally what this entails because we had no fucking clue what they were doing on the pay-per-view, to be fair. It's basically that Liz has left Macho but taken all his money. So is therefore like funding this lavish lifestyle of a table that has food and drink on it for Flair? <laughs> I am the table. <laughs> fucking hell, man. WCW, it's so good. <laughs> What is this nonsense? Oh, I really wish Russo hadn't fucked up WCW. Yeah, we should have just left it with Bischoff and just seen what happens. Because you can imagine like five, six years later, like 2002, 2003, if he was still doing this shit. It would be great. Hogan still wouldn't put over Kidman by then. Absolutely fucking not. He never put him over. Facts. So, um, 
Yeah, see our trilogy at World of Wrestling Podcast. Sorry, World of Wrestling Podcast.com for our archives of our Hogan versus Kidman trilogy. Absolutely. If you need to know what we're talking about, where Hogan puts over the new stars. I think that started my love for WCW, you know. I love Nitro. <laughs> because that, that, that time period is horrifically bad. And this we, in the triple cage, Arquette as the champ. Of course. But then we jumped back to watch other WCW because of watching more of that. And my God, these mid-90 WCW shows, they're just the best, man. So much going on. Um, speaking of which, Flair in his pink sparkly robe. Oh, my. Oh, my, Ric Flair. Wow. However, all I will say to Ric Flair is I'm very disappointed. Mm-hmm. I love the pink robe. I think it's excellent. But Rick, pink and red? Yeah. No, this is a clash, my friend. Go for pink and black. Bret Hart won't mind. <laughs> but did you see Flair wearing red and be like, surely not. They're wrestling the American males. <laughs> That's, no, Flair wears red and we know what's going to happen, right? But they're wrestling oh, the American course. males, Dax. <laughs> They've got to put those young kids over. I mean, American males. American males. <laughs> Did you know if they want to talk, you better not listen. You might wind up in critical condition. American males. American males. American males. <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. It's not going to get any better than that. Let's go. I could do this all night. And we will. <laughs> I'm almost crying for joy. This is fucking great. Anyway, right, so um, the match, yeah, stuff happens. Flare shouts at kids at ringside. It's really fun. The American males do the clap. I guess we should explain what the clap is. <laughs> they keep... get Flair in a wishbone and they give him a the clap. <laughs> I mean, I imagine Marcus Bagwell has given a few people the clap. But... <laughs> I mean, they've got the clap all over them. They're willing to share, you know? <clears throat> Let's move on. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, slight criticism. Uh, slight. Scotty Riggs, Riggs selling is almost as bad as Lex's. Not not as bad as Lex, but he's pretty shit here. He's Lex in training, isn't he? Yeah. Just lots of, ah! Rawr! And then just kind of standing up and wandering around the ring and not doing a, giving a shit about what's happening. I'd also liken Riggs' selling to maybe being on Skype because he gets hit <laughs> and there's a bit of a delay. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I'm really disappointed you didn't put a delay in there. <laughs> it's been a long week. Let's try it again. Um, and then like it's on Skype, he gets hit and there's a delay. Ah, <laughs> enough. <laughs> I don't know. The Brilliant. best the best bit about this match is it's ridiculously back and forth. But they cut to Shivoni and Larry at ringside. You have martinis. <laughs> I'm just like, it's the first match. On the first ever WCW two-hour Nitro, they're making such a big deal about it. And Shivoni and Larry Zabisco are sitting at some fucking shack-sized table. <laughs> That's the wrong way to put it. It's a tiny little table attached to the ring with like fucking baby sham glasses. Just having a great time, you know? Well, those glasses were bought over by Elizabeth and Woman for Zabisco. Oh, yeah, from the VIP area, right? Which I like the fact that, again, even though they're a joint commentary team, <laughs> Shivani and Zabisco are like, just sit on this shitty coffee table. We'll be up at the main booth. Yeah. Don't interrupt us. Well, why don't they get to sit at the nice nitro thing at the entranceway? They knew about COVID and not desk sharing. <laughs> like 30 years in advance, you know? Yeah. 
30? 20? Longs? I'm not good at math. You, you're an accountant. How long ago was this? <laughs> 24 years. Look at you. Oh, yeah, that's really easy. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so, it's a brilliantly fun mess. Um, the American males get shined up tons to start with, like astonishingly amount to start with. I was very surprised. Yeah, Flair and Owen got confused and thought it was the Steiners. Yeah, like <laughs> this is what it feels like most of this match. Flair and Arn go after Riggs' knee eventually. Flair and the ref have a shoving match, which is hilarious. Flair's reaction. He, he must have been a bit tipsy in this match, right? Did you see the amount of martinis knocking around <laughs> at ringside? <laughs> Buff gets the hot tag. Cue a super silly ending sequence where it's just people diving across the ring, moving pinfalls that they're in for like fucking hours. Riggs forgot to re-roll up the roll-up. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, roll, roll Bagwell back over. Woman then rakes Bagwell's eyes on with a DDT illegally to buff for the one, two, three. And I'm like, thank God they didn't put the American males over. God, Flair's but wearing red. In a way they won. did. Well, in a way they did because it wasn't a clean win. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It's great fucking fun. Crowd loved it. Commentary was hilarious. Flair dumps a baby sham over himself and chats with Mean Gene. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I mean, at this stage, I thought Scotty Riggs is definitely the third man. <laughs> Can you imagine? That show's better than Hogan. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. To be fair, Hogan does sell well. He just doesn't at the end of his matches, you know? Yeah, because he's got he's hulked up. Yeah. Can, he's impervious to pain. Guess made a lot of money, so who am I to say? Anyway, it's a fucking racist piece of shit, but <laughs> let's move on. Uh, mean Gene with Flair and Arn. They chat about this NFL tag match they're going to have with Mongo and his mate. Uh, Flair has an amazing line. Skyrocket at night. Afternoon Woo! delight. Afternoon delight. Lovely. He's fucked your wife. Way. <laughs> can you imagine if this really been the, like the peak of the Attitude Era? <laughs> because Flair would just literally just go, fucked her, didn't I? <laughs> Woo. Every promo we've had from Flair over these last few shows has been, fucked your wife, or fucked your wife, or fucked your wife. On grabs the mic and is like, yeah, Flair fucked your wife. <laughs> Fuck it's it, like the man. Matt Damon video. I'm fucking your wife. He's fucking your wife. I'm sorry, but it's true. You would have thought uh, they'd have a bit more material, but I honestly don't care because it's really funny. Well, they're not going to be able to build a wrestling storyline with Mongo, are they? Yeah, to be Mongo, fair. Mongo, let's do his catch as catch can style wrestling. Nope. I've just let's just say I fucked his wife. Arn, what did you do? Nope. Flair fucked his wife. <laughs> Speaking of which, we cut to some adverts. Okay, it's at this point that I noticed the ahem Nitro Girls at ringside. Oh, hello. They're not the Nitro Girls I remember as a young gentleman. They're just kind of like, hmm, people from the local whorehouse who take ring jackets. How dare you? It takes months backstage with Bagwell to be able to get into this position. (laughs) (laughs) But moving on. Four of Macon's finest. <laughs> they look, uh, I think the word I'm looking for is haggard. I think that's fair. Picture that's sunny now. Mean, but... Picture sunny now, and that is what the Nitro Girls in inverted commas look like in 1996. Hang on. Sunny's alive, right? Yes. Oh, thank God. I panicked so for a minute. So that joke's okay. okay. That joke's okay. <laughs> good, good, good. She's probably in prison, but the joke's. The st- the... Obviously, a joke's funny when you have to explain it. <laughs> 
It's fine, because we're going to move on to maybe the funniest thing I have ever seen on a professional wrestling show. I thought I'd phone like 0845 <laughs> 50 50 50 for the gay exchange. No, it's a training vignette. <laughs> it's time for some WCW gay softcore porn. Mongo and Rat's Tail Kevin Green are doing some working out. <laughs> I have some legitimate quotes to run past you. <laughs> okay? I am ready. I am ready. These are things they say in this like two minute vignette of them working out. Okay, listener. We're coming hard. He's my enforcer. Give me all the weight. <laughs> He's pulling the thing. Where the big boys play. <laughs> Pull it there, baby. Like, what is this shit? This is excellent. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to reveal trade secrets, but when Coach Wicked uh, <laughs> had the training center at Unit 44 when I was lifting, this is all the stuff we just say to each other. Just like, give me all the weight. <laughs> Put another pie on that. <laughs> it's big, strong boys. It's shot in soft focus with dudes like in little tank tops and tighty little shorts, you know, lifting weights, while the other one leans over him going, yeah, yeah, pull it in there, baby. <laughs> like, what the fuck are they thinking people are going to think when they watch this? Yeah. It just makes me think, what the hell did the NFL do for their training back in the day? Oh, it's. I don't want to leave this segment because it's so good. People should go find it. <laughs> If we can find it, we'll post it on the Twitter at World of Rest Pod because this was beautifully done. It was it was Shakespeare in the <laughs> level of homoerotic references. It's just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Absolute magic. WCW, man. I'm going to try not to laugh my way through this whole podcast because I'm very aware it can get annoying to a listener or whatever. But fuck, man, it's so funny. Quick thing that I want to Kevin Green's rat's tail. Did you notice like the first shot when they started? Oh, no, no, sorry. I, I get to this later because, you know, we get the um, the Hogan vignette a bit later. Yeah. And it shows him fraternizing with stars. Kevin Green's in there and he had a full head of hair looking like the giant's hairstyle. Yeah. What made him suddenly go, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to cut off that hair. But just so I remember I had long hair, I'm going to leave this weedy little shitty rat's tail like, so, like a drizzling piece of shit hanging off the back of my head. It's an interesting choice. I mean, what year is this? 96. It's not like it was the trend or anything. No. He was trying to be a trend setter, and he's actually a trend shitter. Oh, so funny, man. But more importantly, put more in there. (laughs) (laughs) Push it in. He says, pull it in there. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? Take it out of his and put it somewhere else. (laughs) I have one note that just says the funniest segment yet on our 96 episodes of podcast. I cannot stop laughing. <laughs> oh, God, let's move on. So, oh, yeah, I need to prep something for the next segment. Okay, so our next match, and this is very, very important to this series of podcasts, right? This match is possibly the most important match in the entirety of professional wrestling on Monday night television. You could say that. You could absolutely say that. because it I is... can. I used those words just then. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's Steve Doll, whoever the fuck that is, 
Versus. Stephen Dunn for off of Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn team of Well Done. Brilliant. No idea. Never heard of them before. Is it what? someone I should know? Well, you, tag team in WWF. Well done. You got they were there at the same time as the Beverly's. <laughs> no one compares the Beverly's tax. You know this. <laughs> okay. Because wait. Okay. Sorry. Fake Mr. Perfect. Steve Dull. <laughs> was he? Well, that, he was wearing a perfect singlet and he had the white floppy hair. Nah. Blonde floppy hair. Don't remember this at all. Gotta remember I came in in like the end of 97. And so like I had VHSs and things and obviously I have a, a very strong affection for the Beverly Brothers. Um, But no, I didn't watch like the other stuff in between. Maybe we should watch it. It's a good thing you had an affection for the Beverly Brothers then. Because wait a goddamn minute. A chap debuts with colonel robert parker this is the debut we were promised on this exciting episode of nitro and he's called the mauler but i'm like i know that face i know that face i definitely know that face who could that possibly be tax that's really annoying i had the intro on it but anyway Gotta learn to play. It's Blake Beverly! It's fucking Blake Beverly! He should have been the third man. It's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time on WCW Nitro. I was like, this is gonna be the best thing ever. <laughs> As the Mauler. <clears throat> yeah, don't like the gimmick, but it's Blake Beverly, so it's the greatest thing ever. Five stars. Match Five even stars in the Macon Coliseum. <laughs> So um, this this amazing debut on this Nitro Man. Uh, what do you think of the Mauler coming out, looking uh, in his chaps? He was lacking a cape, and he was lacking Bo Beverly. Yep, exactly. Not even Minnesota but Wrecking it, Crew. You know, it's like just the Mauler. Mm, not sure about this gimmick. But for me, from early WWF days, the nostalgia pop of my sticker album of one half of Well Done and one half of the Beverlys going one on one in the most important match in the history of professional wrestling. What a treat. Absolutely. And the thing is that for anyone that doesn't know, you may think that you're joking about this being the most important match. No, it is. What's about to happen is commentary are chatting bollocks about Savage and Flair all over the introduction of the Mauler and I get fucking furious because I'm like, it's Plague Beverly. How dare you, sir? <laughs> okay. Spear over the top rope. I'm like, hang on. That's fucking awesome. Never seen that before. It's not a clothesline. He fucking spears him over the top rope. And then commentary have a moment where they go, double spear over the top rope. Oh, when both guys go over the top rope, it's not a disqualification. And I'm like, oh, no, that's still in effect. I think Zabisco thought he was still in the AWA. I, I, I can't imagine. Whatever. Let's move on. Because we cut to adverts and then we come back and there's a commotion in the crowd as the match continues. Those Nitro girls were looking for cash. Someone didn't pay. <laughs> a man walks through the crowd. Over you mean the- a man? <laughs> <laughs> I should have had that. Okay, I'll go with that. A man walks over through the crowd, over the guardrail, into the ring. And he doesn't say, hey, yo. And I'm like, What? <laughs> He says, hey, you people, you know who I am, but you don't know, know why I'm here. Where is Billionaire Ted? Where is the natural man? 
that punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh where, is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop for you. I'm half doing the accent, half not. I'm regretting it now. (laughs) (laughs) When that Ken doll lookalike, that weatherman wannabe, comes out here tonight, I got a challenge for him. For billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man. I love the way he says Nacho Man. And for anybody else in uh, WCW. That's fucking great. Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. I guarantee there's at least 10, 20 people that listen to this pod that spoke every single word of that promo along with me because it is that fucking famous. And did the accent. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably Especially when he goes, and the Nacho Man. And it's like, oh, Scotty. Brilliant. He's the fucking Don. I love this man so much. We've watched TNA shows, and he's at his absolutely wor- absolute worst. And the segment and the moment is his absolute worst. But he is the shiny light in fucking everything. All he has to do is go, hey. He doesn't even have to say, hey, yo. And the whole fucking crowd pops. So good. Take into account as well that this was not a time where the internet was going to be at a rise. You you don't get people sitting around going, this is definitely going to happen. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to find out. Someone might be returning, nudge wink. No, this was a complete surprise. So eight days prior to this was the curtain call. Eight days have gone. Scott Hall let his contract lapse. And continually said, you know, it's it, it wasn't about the money when he joined. It was all about the light work schedule and the ability to wear double denim. <laughs> well done. You're welcome. But, but in all seriousness, the fact that in 96, you know, obviously you had sort of Meltzer's dirt sheet. The information wasn't as readily accessible. The internet wasn't as much of a, a thing as it is now how important it is for the spread of news for professional wrestling. So the fact that back in that day, and we're talking before mobile phones, realistically, so it's not like people text someone and go, oh my God, turn on Nitro, guess who here, Razor Ramones turned up. They'd be jumping on their actual physical telephones, telephoning their mates, if they're obviously wrestling fans, going, switch over to Nitro, switch over to Nitro. Change the channel, bung on TNT, you know. Exactly, and... This was so integral to the rating, the Monday Night War, to the amount of money that people like Austin would be able to make. The fact that WWF were still able to be in business and get the generation of people like The Rock, who is now the leading man in Hollywood, one of the highest grossing actors of all time. You know, it's it's so important. And obviously, as I said, you know, the match of the Mauler and Steve Dole again just have that that little bait of oh here's a surprise debut and everyone's going <laughs> oh it's it's Blake Beverly that's pretty cool or oh, it's Blake Beverly that means going they don't understand <laughs> wrestling but that's what they thought <laughs> but the fact they did this and everyone was focusing on this is Colonel Robert Parker's new guy what's he doing he's basically tearing to shred Steve Dole and then have the unnamed character essentially acts as if he is still a WWF employee as Razor Ramon turning up. Man, it's just 
no one would have seen it coming. And I said, considering eight days ago he's standing in MSG doing the curtain call, yeah, a lot changes in eight days, especially Scott Hall's work schedule. It's it's so smart. It's the best thing Bischoff ever did. It's the first sign of the NWO coming to WCW. It's the whole reason we're doing this tri- this trilogy, this uh, this series right now, podcast. It's what a way to kick it off, you know. It it got everything ready, and a man who is willing to wear double denim and no t shirt, <laughs> props. But so it's as just, how, how else could you how else could you introduce him? To have, I can't imagine a way that they could have done this any better. No, this is perfection. I know I joke about the stuff earlier being great and perfect and all that sort of stuff. In terms of storytelling, in terms of a surprise, in terms of, of an amazingly well-worded, timed, literate promo, it's, it's fucking perfect. He does everything he needs to do. He can't say his name. He can't go out and be like, yeah, through the entranceway. There's no music. There's no pyro. It's you're going, this is the guy. Pay attention. And all you've got to do is have him interrupt a match and give him a mic. And he does everything he needs to. It's fucking beautiful pro wrestling. Hands down, the best introduction of a new character to a wrestling show ever. It it's, has to be right up there, man. There is. This... I can't think of any better. Well, not a man. For an impact, <laughs> from an impactful standpoint. Yeah, sure. I mean, Hogan going to WCW, but that wasn't the surprise because that was announced as a press conference and it was built up to hype for TB, TV, TB, sorry, TBS. In terms um, of impact, uh, just as we're bringing it up, in terms of like an initial impact, for me, Jericho coming to WWF was the biggest thing ever for me. But that's because I was an obsessed fan and. I remember the build and the pyro and everything. But then his promo is pretty shit. Like the back and forth with the rock, it's not good. Like it does the job it needs to do. I mean, it doesn't live up to this. And also, at the time, again, I know we're only talking three years on from here. Yeah. But I'd read spoilers. Yeah. I, I hadn't personally, I had no idea it was going to happen. I literally just used to watch War every week, you know. But. So there's a moment here where Scott Hall is leaving the ring and he runs to the runs well to the kind of side almost, not straight to the back. And there's a little kid in the crowd who just goes, Yo Chico! <laughs> like, <it's laughs> fucking great. So, um, do we want to do any more background stuff on Scott Hall or do you want to kind of move on? Um there's only one more point about this. The only thing I the only criticism, obviously it's nigh on perfect for me. Why did he go to the back? Yeah, I know he was waiting, waiting for Bischoff, waiting for Billionaire Ted. But if you're not a welcomed guest, and here's the thing that you know, obviously they're not going to have security rush the ring or wrestlers rush the rings. So they don't know what he's doing because they don't know why he's here. <laughs> but to then go back towards the locker room where you're essentially going to war. You know, it's a ballsy thing if you're just one guy going to war. But I suppose as well, he, you can't just have him leave through the crowd because everyone just mobbed him. Yeah, maybe so, man. <clears throat> it's hard to say, really. But um, what a way to debut, you know. Blake Beverly's going to be a star. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the only other thing from, from a, a Scott Hall standpoint, from a Razor Ramon standpoint, so he's finished his run in WWF. He beat Million Dollar Man in his last match in WWF before he left and we just come off the back of the storyline where 123 Kid 
had got the upset victory over Razor and they just run that story till the end. So he just finished his feud with one, two, three kid. And I just think in WWF, unless they were going to push him for the big belt, there was no nothing else really for him to do at that time. Yeah, I think I think he would have. I think he would have been a star no matter where. He would have gone, especially with how much Vince loves a promo guy and Scott Hall is one of the greatest promo guys of all time. But just, just those little feuds you mentioned there, the Ted DiBiase one, the X-Pac one, and coming to WCW and cutting this promo and going to the NWO. Scott Hall knows how to tell a story, didn't he? It's pretty fucking good. People always get a bit iffy when they always hear people say, oh, this ex-rest should go and work as a coach at the PC. Oh, this ex-rest should be involved in wrestling. Should do this, should do this. A clean, focused Scott Hall is invaluable to any wrestler's character development and creative department because he just seems to have this natural knack when he's not just looking out for himself and off his tits and when he's looking to build storylines and build character. I I don't know if you ever watched Breaking Ground uh, on the WWE Network. Nope. There was a scene where um, he was in NXT running like a guest promo class session and Baron Corbin was there and he pretty much called him out was like you think you're a tough guy you think you're a good guy and he was like yeah baron was like yeah i think i'm i'm pretty good and scott was like none of these guys like you because you're a dick <laughs> uh, and then it, baron was like I, I i don't really care and i think scott Hall went on to go like it's the right attitude to have you can't you're here to make money or you're here to make friends and i chose to make money but you've got to be able to tell a story and even then just watching everyone in nxt in awe of scott hall semi chewing out baron corbin but just he commands that respect of a locker room yeah when, when clean and it's it's heartbreaking seeing how his career goes and how bad his run was when he got back into wwf but you know he made his money he made a hell of a difference to this WCW product. And in fairness, his appearance here on Nitro is the reason why we have such a flourishing professional wrestling business because it forced competition. Absolutely, man. It's it's obviously we know what's coming at the end of this series, but the guy who built it, who told the story, who introduces the characters and the players along the journey, it, it's Scott Hall, man. It's He's the narrator Scott. of the NWO. Absolutely. And how did WCW follow up the debut of Scott Hall? Next up is Sergeant Craig Pittman <laughs> with Teddy Long <laughs> versus Ding 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 Ding. It's Diamond Dallas Page. He's in a lime green today. He is. He, he puts a lot of effort into his gear, which I appreciate. The green and purple is beautiful looking to be fair. And sensible. Yep. Ric Flair didn't wear green, <laughs> so he wore green. Sensible locker room etiquette. I won't wear the same kit as you, Ric Flair. The best thing about this match is Zabisco on commentary, just shitting all over Teddy Long at every opportunity he has. <laughs> it's literally one go at one point he goes, Yeah, Diamond Dallas Page is the new American dream. And I'm like, hang on, not yet. <laughs> Definitely not yet. Anyway, right. what what a comparison. Yeah, sure. So DDP... I like the fact, though, they went on during his uh, DDP's entrance. Sorry to interrupt you. That's they were like, oh, and he won the diamond ring because he won the battle bowl. Don't mention he had the title shot ripped off him. <laughs> At least they're putting over something. 
about the tournament that seems to have gone completely by the wayside. It does remember that tech tournament for a ring. At least it gets Wasn't brought up this? on this episode of Nitro. Last week, Nitro, you know the follow-up show to the pay-per-view. Was that the one before? I've lost track. How many shows? Are we no, in? this is episode thirty-six. Yeah. Okay. That show they they didn't mention it at all. There's obviously been um you know a command from higher up or whatever. Be like maybe we should mention the story that we have going on. Uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that with uh, the Lex Express later. Sure, sure. There is absolutely no mention of Dally being screwed over whatsoever, as you mentioned. Um, so I mean, what the fuck is this finish tax? Well, first of all, I want to applaud uh, Sergeant Craig Pittman for turning up wearing street clothes. Yep, lovely ring gear. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's just trying to bro up to Hogan with his red and yellow top. Sure. Um, I mean. How is the best way to describe this? Pittman and Teddy Long have a bit of a cuddle, and then DDP <laughs> hits a cutter on Pittman through the ropes. You've missed one little vital part that I'm now finding every single week we watch a Craig Pittman match. They commentary put over like, oh, he's got the greatest armbar in the world. And the code red. Every single fucking week he gets it wrong. Like this week, he's literally upside down in the armbar. He's the wrong way up. Like, I'm not a professional wrestler. I could lock it in better than this shit. I mean, it's the code red. Amazing red didn't do the code red. Craig Pittman did the code red. Fucking A. So, <laughs> as you said, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Teddy Long gets gently pushed into the guardrail by DDP who DDP is in the arm lock. I say arm lock, that's generous. Uh, Sarge goes... He's got he's got Sarge in an arm lock. <laughs> <laughs> with his legs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarge goes to check... I'm sorry, with his arm... Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say anymore. Sarge goes to check on Teddy briefly by sticking his head through the middle and bottom ropes. I mean, focus on the match, dickhead. He turns around, walks into, again, one of the shittiest looking diamond cutters I've ever seen. For the one, two, three. Now remember this finish, folks, because this is not the not the last time they'll use this finish tonight. Ah, so DDP wins. Right, oh, let's move on, shall we? All I will say about the diamond cutter at this stage, remember when the women's wrestling in WWE was just titty models with no skill and mm. they do an attempt at a finisher. Yeah. This is the level of the diamond cutter at this stage. Lots of hesitation. Well, that's because he's too busy after blowing his load watching Mongo and Kevin Green earlier. Uh, there was no hesitation there. <laughs> Is there a dry seat in the house right now? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to a Randy Savage video package. Uh, Macho's still not on the show, but we get video packages and running storyline with Flair kind of in the background of the NFL stuff that's going on. He's nuts, you know. This video package was really fucking good. Really, really got over how much of a loose cannon... The match a man was before Pillman excelled with the gimmick. Exactly what I've put down here. That's exactly what it's. It's, it's Brian Pillman's gimmick, but Macho Man Randy Savage doing it. And I'm, I'm on, honestly, I have no complaints. It's really, really fun. Works really well for him. Yeah, it's the a frustration the and edge. the anger of Liz leaving him and spending all his money and Flair benefiting from that is driving him mad. We get him dropping elbows on the ref. We get psychiatrists. He's arrested. Liz like f- throwing money around to the fans and all this sort of shit. It's it's. Dig it. Yeah, baby. Really, really enjoyed it. And as you said, it's got that background thing because this NFL match, which we're going to see in a couple of episodes time here on the pod, um, 
it's a one and done deal. And then Flair needs something. And also, whilst I know we're focusing on the, the formation of the NWO, I suspect we're going to be getting a little bit of, um, you know, Savage being able to assist the NFL guys as we get to ah. the great American babash. I wonder. I, I, I didn't see that coming. So if that does happen... Then uh, that would be good because it means that they're good actually foreshadowing. crossbreeding their storylines. I bet you a million fucking pounds they don't because it's WCW. But then they'll give them a ring and it'll be all right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so there's a brief moment as we cut to adverts of Giant trying to cut a promo to the camera and he's spitting so much as he's talking, it covers the lens of the camera and I felt a bit sick for a moment. Wear a fucking mask, Giant. <laughs> <laughs> So we come COVID back. COVID Kelly over there. <laughs> we come COVID Kelly. <laughs> okay. We come back from adverts and tax. Can you please describe what we see and hear? Na na. Na na. Gene Oakland's with the shark. <laughs> and now the shark, if you are unaware, is John Tenter, formerly known as Earthquake from WWF fame. Tenta is now wearing lounge pants and a vest top with a shark on the front. But most importantly, the question I need to ask you, because I didn't see much of it come off in the match. Tenta has blue and white triangles with black outline painted over his beard and the side of his face, making it look like, really badly, he's like a a (laughs) six-year-old's art project with shark's teeth. But I ask you this, Rich. Was this face paint... Or has he actually dyed his beard this colour? Right. Because I didn't see any of it come off. I didn't see any of it come off either because he has a match and it's not the longest match in the world. It's not like he's, you know, doing half an hour broadways or anything. But it's, it's, I think he might have dyed teeth into his beard so he looks I like a shark. <laughs> <laughs> the commitment from Tenta here is amazing, bro. Now, the thing we need to get over as well here is that you know, we semi-mocked um, some very, very bad promo work earlier. <laughs> Shark? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, you know it's live. This is not a pre-tape. Because Shark is falling over his words more than his tag team partner fell for a fucking wall. It's not great, is it? I like John Tenter. I remember being genuine. I'm watching, um, God, it was probably a WCW show around this time period where he was not the shark, he was just a big evil heel as as a very young kid and being scared. When he killed Hulkamania and crushed him, and also when he crushed Damien the Snake, yeah, they are my memories of Earthquake. But this one is like, and I'm going to win the World Heavyweight Championship of the World title. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sullivan, my son, the Taskmaster, has thrown the shark out of the Dungeon of Doom. Boo! These are the early Someone signs. called the WWF. Someone's <laughs> been abusing animals. Well, not oh, animals. Oh, that WWF. Shark. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, the pandas with chairs. The thing that... Uh, yeah, sure. The thing that becomes really evident in this promo that genuinely made me a little bit sad is that this is obviously the end of the Dungeon of Doom right now, right? There's there's no more Dungeon of Doom. It's This is it. Breaks my heart. It, it's really upsetting. So, um, as you say, he mentions, the shark mentions, that he almost killed Hulkamania. 
And I'm like, drink? That's the first mention of Hogan that we've had on this series so far. Yeah, because we, we get another few Hogan references as we go through the rest of the show, which mm. we'll, we'll pick up on. But yeah, well, it's, it's obvious Hogan that, shot. It's obvious that Shark has been... I'll keep, <laughs> so I'm going to call him Shark, fuck it. Shark has been told to mention Hogan because Gene immediately puts over how much they miss Hogan. And what does that cue tax? No, 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 wait, no, sorry. Uh, uh, a Hulk Hogan video package. Mm. Um, with with so, celebrities, including the man who got the grill. <laughs> and oh, Hogan it didn't. is fucking hell. <laughs> I didn't even realize. So racist piece of shit Hulk Hogan uh, has this video package where, you know, there's Shaq and people famous wrestlers kevin green rodman foreman it's him sucking balls of celebrities basically and doing charity events and stuff like this and like oh isn't hulk hogan a really lovely person was it was it sugar ray leonard the boxer who's yeah, in there with it's one of them and like he cut a pro hogan was like sugar ray leonard's the greatest of all time and sugar ray leonard turned around and was like and uh and hogan is good <laughs> this is hulk hogan <laughs> <laughs> who is this guy <laughs> dressed in yellow and red he hasn't been talking to me for the last 10 minutes he's been here but they turned the camera on and suddenly he was nice to me like what is this <laughs> and then he turned it off and they just spoke to kevin green yeah, non-stop started, about rat's tails started zeke highland and put on like a white ghost uniform i don't know what's going on <laughs> he started building up this guy called alex Wright, and then he got really confused <laughs> so <clears throat> Moving on to our second hour of WCW <laughs> Monday Nitro. Our second 70 minutes of Nitro. <laughs> Doesn't have quite the same ring to it, I guess. Eric Bischoff welcomes us to the show. Hell- With uh, reverse colours this week. Oh, what remember, do you mean? The, uh, the- Remember he had a black pop-up black button-up long sleeve mm. over a denim waistcoat, whereas today he had a black waistcoat over a denim shirt. A black leather waistcoat over a denim shirt, I think you'll find. He likes bikes, was, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was used in the uh, green Mongo montage. <laughs> he came out as one of the T-Birds from Greece to help out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second half, round two of WCW Nitro on TNT. They're really putting this over like this is like a separate show almost, like it's a new thing you should tune in for this second hour. Uh, We are locked, cocked, and ready to roll. Definitely part of that NFL promo from earlier. (laughs) With the hottest two, count them, two hours on television today. Probably not true, but who knows. Hello, everybody. I'm Eric Bischoff, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. No Steve-O McMichael. Steve-O, can't say it. Steve Mongo McMichael, uh, for obvious reasons. So um, Bischoff and Brain are up at the WCW commentary position that we all know and love. Bischoff is, um, he's subtly mentioning, (laughs) so subtly, (laughs) things about the whole debut and the promo in the ring but he says that he won't even dignify it and then goes on to talk about it for about two minutes. It's um, it was, it's interesting. Yeah. It works. Like You can see what he's going for, but he should... I, I feel like it would be better if he just addressed it a bit more head-on rather than saying, oh, I'm not going to dignify it and then going on to talk about it anyway, you know? They're, well, they're trying to build it up for the second hour, but I mentioned there's an intruder. They're going, oh, hang on. What did we see on the first one? They're trying to obviously kayfabe it like it was a, 
a legit invasion. And again, yeah. I, he he got it over. But if you'd missed it, if you just switched over, because if this is the ten minute transition period between the end of hour one and hour two, and you mentioned just an intruder, and then someone switches over at nine o'clock. It's like they're not going to know there's an intruder. So I understand that maybe this was a case of filling because the John Tenter promo didn't go long enough. I wonder whether they've preempted um, Raw's advert slot as well. Oh, possibly. Because that might be the reason why they changed to the 850. So they yeah. get in before that time changeover. That's definitely part of like the Monday Night Wars documentaries that they tried to do that at WCW. So maybe this is the case. But Yeah, because they always did it at the start of the show. They always would go up at like 7.58. Yeah. I remember like even on UK television... You could tune into WCW Nitro early, right before Raw started every week. There was a while where they were doing three hours and Raw was only doing two. So you'd start watching WCW Nitro and you watch an hour or so. And then sometimes I'd forget that Raw was going to start and I'd just continue watching Nitro. Rarely. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in those three-hour Nitros. Jesus. Exactly. So our first match of this second hour is the WCW World Heavyweight Championship match fuck yeah, of the giant, our current champion, with known racist Jimmy Hart, versus the shark. Um, now, go on. where did the shark get introduced <laughs> from, Rich? First, Can you no. remember where he was introduced from? <laughs> the shark is apparently from Tsunami, which seems to be a sushi <laughs> restaurant in South London, which makes sense. <laughs> oh, and this was where someone, some clever writer was like, you know what we need to write a sh- film about? Sharknado. <gasps> Great film. Absolutely love that fucking film. Because um, it's terrible. Have you seen Sharknado? I've seen bits of Sharknado because Kurt Angle was in it. How have you not seen, like, you know, very, very good classic films? You've seen Sharknado. How do you. Exactly that. I've watched very good classic films. <sighs> so, as these. I like films to mentally challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> as the giant and the shark. Uh, almost about the same size like shark's a bit smaller but he's definitely wider just imagine if they started doing lucha (laughs) well he was once a hooded man the the golga oh yeah okay fabe but okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's all right poor tenter sad sad he's gone but what a list of characters mr tenter had and hailing all the way from tsunami and as you said, oh, right, with the size, yeah. as, as you get on to, like, Heenan throughout the show was like, oh, he's never been in the ring about someone who's bigger than him, uh, um, heavier than him. He must be <laughs> 500, 530, 540 pounds. Heenan is an absolute treat, man. Like, I like Shavoni and Zabisco. They're really funny. The combination of Bischoff's seriousness and trying to get the stories across and Heenan not giving a single fuck about anything that's happening. <laughs> it, it's hilarious man i spent half of this show just laughing at the commentary it's so good um the match man hoss 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 it's the whole match is just hoss everywhere (laughs) i don't know what else to say i mean it was probably about now that i put my usual progress wrestling dig had this been progress wrestling fans all we would have heard for this was big lad wrestling yeah I have a couple Cunts. of couple. <laughs> geez, okay. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I have a couple of notes about this match. Um, show holds the belt really weirdly. It's a big boy. Yeah, he holds it like like his hands are inverted somehow. I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, also, if only he had Velcro on the strap. Yeah, don't like that. Don't like that it at makes all. Makes me so angry. Mm. Um, Macho did it. Do you know that? 
Yeah, when you told me about this, it made me think a lot less of Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> um, my favourite note about this match that I couldn't stop looking at was that Big Show's ass is desperately trying to escape his singlet. It was definitely trying to get some of the limelight. Remember the finish to DDP and Sarge two minutes ago? <laughs> Replace the diamond cutter with a choke slam and... Yep. And still, <laughs> the giant is the champion. Um, Post-match, stuff happens. <laughs> Everyone loves a haircut. That's all I'll say. What? If they're not willing to pay for the whole service, that's when you get half of it cut off. <laughs> so, to describe it, Boss Man, Big Bubba in this case, because it's WCW, jumps... Leather trouser, Big oh, Bubba. He looks fucking terrible. It's non-uniform day again, mate. All over the place. He jumps in the ring with a pair of scissors, and you're like, he's going to stab a bitch. <laughs> he's all the way from Cop County, Georgia, you know. <laughs> but poor Sharky. Like... Boss man just starts chopping his hair, then whips out a fucking trimmer thing. What's it called? A buzz cut. Set of clippers. There you go, clippers. And just starts shaving one half of the very small amount of hair that Tenta has left. I'm like, <laughs> my no- what the fuck did Sharky ever stage, do to Boss Man? <laughs> my notes at this stage, and I don't know why I started singing to it in a really dull voice. I started going, Tenta shark do 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 do. Oh dear! I'm I'm I felt genuinely sorry for him. He looks like he's about to cry when he's on the floor having his hair trimmed. I don't think he well, liked this. As a bald man who lost my hair at an early age, like Tenta, who I believe at this time was only twenty three. <laughs> Definitely, having... absolutely, he was twenty three. Yep having to lose one's hair and accept you can't grow hair you just have to shave it off is a difficult moment in any person's life and for poor tenter to have to do this in public without tugboat to nuzzle into his wholesome bosom it was yeah. hard to watch from a personal standpoint as a man who enjoyed a scullet <laughs> so i felt a bit sad at this point i'm gonna be honest i like john tenter he's passed and everything else and it's- shame seeing him in this situation and obviously wrestling's past as wrestling's future is coming up and it's the right thing to do to put the new guy over and everything but i'm not sure why boss master come in and shave his head I, no. I guarantee this isn't fucking followed up but then i spotted a fan in the front row who was pissing himself with laughter and everything was okay again <laughs> so there we go no, i i i love tenta i i think again from my nostalgia standpoint when i was younger of He's one of the first big heels yeah. that I saw Hulkamania go against. And then, obviously, we've got the joy of having the natural disasters for our own sort of growing up and wrestling fandom. I remember Should have put over the Beverly's the scumbags. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I even remember the Mattel action figure being like the first one where it would allow you to move his legs so he could do the giant whoopsie as his finish. Awesome. And, oh, mate. So... We cut back from ads, and Bish is still not dignifying Hall's challenge by constantly talking about it on commentary. And we jump to our next title match of the evening. No, no, no. Non-title match. Oh, was it a non-title match? It was. Okay. Of Lex Luger, the current WCW World Television title champion and shitty wrestler, versus Max... You heard me. He's wrestling Max. 
It's got two X's though, so that's cool, I he, guess. He was part of the Skull Crushers tag team back in uh, in GWF, and he wrestled as Big Bad John. So we covered GWF uh, a couple of weeks ago. Did we? <laughs> okay. uh, he was a bodybuilder from the power plant. He and guess what? He was DDP's mate. Uh, I I don't remember. Sorry, <laughs> I've not got a good memory. He briefly re- he retired like a year after this, yeah. so he, he had like a one year run, um, and then he retired. He returned for like a Extreme Pro Wrestling in two thousand, and then in two thousand nineteen. So around this time last year, well, sorry, around this time last year, yeah, um, DDP announced on Facebook that Max had died. Oh, that's a shame. Never like to hear that. Uh, Lex gets the Kane ring post pyro, and I'm like, what, 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 what? Uh, a year and a half before Kane's debut, Lex is getting the pyro treatment. Yeah, we said this last week, and you know, mm. oh, WCW always stealing talent, WWF never stole ideas. They definitely had this pyro. They absolutely bloody did. Uh, Bischoff takes this opportunity, the match, to put over that Rey Mysterio will be facing Dean Malenko. <laughs> At the Great American Bash that we're going to be covering in three weeks' time. And I'm like, yes, please. 96 Mysterio and Malenko. Fucking A. I'd love to see that. Wrestling. 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 is it, Yeah, I, I was excited. And as you knew, this is a non-title match. Max is purely just a meaty jobber from the power from the power plant. Yep. You, you knew this was just going to be an opportunity to showcase Luger and also put over what's on the, the rest of the show. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Like Bischoff on commentary occasionally just like, get him out of here. I'll talk to him at the end of the match as if he's talking to Scott Hall and the security team or something. It's quite clever. Yeah, it, it, you've got the the blurred lines, and also you're going to want to have the you're going to have to want the cool down match after that epic WCW title match. <laughs> sure. One thing, sorry, I sorry to jump back to it, but from my notes as well, a lot of people go on about how the giant should have been used in WWF so he should be used sparingly but what we've seen now the last two weeks of Nitro he's had a title match he's been on the main event yep. he's not got a storyline he's just there with Arn having a semi competitive match Mongo already having a semi and now <laughs> he's basically having a, a squash with the shark <laughs> sorry <laughs> you kept saying Mon- Mongo's got a semi Lex has got a semi and I started laughing <laughs> I couldn't help it <laughs> Cock jokes, they're funny. But but yes, I absolutely appreciate what you're saying. Do you think that, I mean, Giant's obviously green, but he's keen to work and he's good in the ring. That was his downfall. He was keen to work. He yeah. didn't want to be a big bruiser. Speaking of which, the end of this Lex Max match, Lex hits the loaded forearm that Bishpos puts over that beat Yokozuna but not Max, who's right back up on his feet. Lex hits a power slam, then puts him in the torture rack to get the win. But this little fauble of not selling the loaded forearm and Bish being like, that beat Yokozuna! It, it's just Bish of shitting on WF, right? Yes, and also, this is around the time there were the rumours that in 96... They wanted Yoko later on as part of the end up well to do a run in for in, as part of an NWO angle. I disappoint you, like but I don't one, think Yoko's running anywhere, mate. Well, that was the one and done deal that they offered, right. and the general thought process because there's been a lot of pods about Yoko recently because it was around the anniversary of his passing. Uh-huh. 
Um, a lot of people, both JR and Pritchard, have all gone on to say their opinion of, you know, they heard he was offered this WCW one-shot deal because Scott Hall kept you know, hounding him to do it. And Yoko, like Rodney, refused to do it because he felt that if he took it, his dream was to get back into WWF. Right. And he felt that if he took that one-shot deal, it would make it really difficult for him to do it. Who knows how it could have worked out, man. Could Yokozuna have been the third man? Banzai! Big Japanese talking. As long as they don't do that, it'll be fine. So, um, Lex wins the match. Uh, the crowd were chanting for Lex, for some reason. He's over. Mm, yeah, he kind of is. He's not Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, whatever over. Like Even DDP over at times, but... The, the fans care they like him you know for some fucking reason yeah there's there's still nothing there this has always been the thing with luger for me and i enjoyed the the american made lex luger sort of gimmick they had in wwf but at least they tried to put a character on him prior to that with the narcissist because yeah. the thing with Luger in WCW pre and post his run in WWF, he's got nothing. He can't cut a promo. He's dull as dishwater. Whereas at least when he became the narcissist and they gave Heenan to him to be his mouthpiece, he had that, he had some form of presence. Whereas now he's just man with mullet and black trunks. There's nothing to him. It's it, it's the worst of what WCW are always accused of by like, these WWE documentaries. They're relying on what WWF did and using that name to get people to watch. It's it's literally that. They're doing nothing with him. Like they put a shitty belt on him, like the TV belt or whatever. They have him come out and do enhancement talent and like really badly told storylines. He's used like like a, a device to get to the next step almost. But he has got no gimmick. It's no character development. It's just he's Lex Luger. He was the guy that they thought would be the next Hulk Hogan. But we've got actual Hulk Hogan, you know? And that elbow almost killed Yoko, but Max got right back up. <laughs> exactly. So Mean Gene hops in the ring to have a chat with Lex. They put over it's going to be Lex versus Giant, a great American bash. Gene finally puts over the fact that DDP was screwed at the pay-per-view. Like, nice to see this uh, actually acknowledged for the first time since it happened. Yeah, but even then, it wasn't overly explained well. No. Luger in real situation, and again, is he heel, is he face? Well, I don't make the decisions, but I'm going to take my opportunities, and I got put through a table not too long ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, by the giant. I'm going to beat the shit out of the giant. Like, that's the justification for why he got the match over DDP or Barbar, because DDP's hit, foot hit the floor in the rumble thing. You know, it's like, what, what, why is that? <laughs> that? That's not justification. That's trying to shoehorn someone into a position. That's a very different thing. It's um, at least they're trying, I guess we could say. They they bought it up, so they're not trying to insult the fans' intelligence. It's not the the usual rumor with Vince McMahon going, "I'll tell them what they remember and what they forget." Yeah. At least here they're trying to say, "Oh, people have been shitting on us for not mentioning the Luger thing." So at least. At least acknowledge it. So I like the fact they acknowledged it. There's still no reason why Luger's got the tire slam. He got choke slam two weeks ago, and it should have gone to Barbar. But you know, got to put over their big new stars. Yeah, Lex apparently wants every big man WCW's got. 
Should have been in that See, Mongo and Jim Kevin Green thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gene and Lex leave us with one question at the end of this promo. Can Lex get the giant up in the torture rack? So at least they're trying to set the scene for that match. And I'm, I'm really disappointed you followed that. Was, Can Lex get the giant up? <laughs> Should have been in the NFL thing earlier. <laughs> yes. So next up, we've got Hard Work, Bobby Walker. There's just way too many. <laughs> puns and shit now what's the word like a sexual pun what am i double entendres there you go uh versus so bobby walker versus brad armstrong so this is bobby walker's debut from the wcw power plant and this is their highlighting of their current cruiserweight division it's not the wcw cruiserweight division you're thinking of lovely listener (laughs) it's a bit shit no and uh and hard work bobby walker ended up leaving the company not too long after this uh suing them for racism really interesting know any more about yes. that or is that just a wikipedia job uh i i only found out that so what but he left so the, some of the like the dirt sheet reports on what bobby walker was because i wasn't familiar with him okay so I, as you said power plant graduate was supposed to be sort of the centerpiece of the uh the cruiserweight division and i assume shared a locker room with hogan <laughs> i mean yeah but you know it's it's okay to be racist unless people catch you then that's bad. Yeah, guys, there are cameras everywhere. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. What you meant to do. It's terrible, isn't it? So Bischoff, again, not dignifying the whole thing. He's going to give Scott Hall a chance to say his piece at the end of the show. And I'm like, hang on, what? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you can see what they're doing, but the logic from A to B to C is not quite there. But I mean, it's WCW. What do you expect? Uh, Bobby Walker is incredibly green and super botchy. They get to the point where he's botched a couple of moves and Brad Armstrong's like, okay, here's where the grappling goes. And they spend five minutes just grounded completely. Um, yeah, just just trying to gain control of, of the match, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, man. Just trying to get this guy who's obviously amped up and very nervous and very green. And you can see he's, he's got some ability and all that sort of shit. But with what this division has coming for it over the next couple of years these lads just they just don't cut the mustard you know brad armstrong's obviously very technically sound but how do you compete with the likes of mysterio and psychosis and etc etc you know is it there's just there's just no comparison is there no you've got hoovy on the way for fuck's sake and billy kidman you know you've got to put people over <laughs> anyway um commentary especially Heenan, the whole time in this match, you're like, there's no way Bobby Walker can win this match. It's so sarcastic. It's brilliant. Brad Armstrong cannot get a fucking win on this podcast, mate. I've lost interest in Brad Armstrong. It's a shame because you you can see moments of brilliance with this guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's just it's just I said the problem is here we're looking at cruisers who are not the cruiserweight we know and love from Nitro. Of course, yeah. Somebody call Matthew. Botchy fucking top rope blockbuster. If you can even call it that. He basically slips off the top rope, goes to stand back up, slips for a second time and you're like, "Oh no." <laughs> throws himself for brad armstrong he basically has to like take it in the face this whole <laughs> dude's body weight landing on his fucking head for the everyone loves the bust blockster yeah exactly for the one two three and bobby walker pins brad armstrong 
Heenan rightfully points out that Armstrong's shoulders were up during the pinfall, and I do not blame Armstrong if he deliberately did that. Because fuck this. <laughs> it's uh, go on. What do you think? He just wants a rematch. Yeah, exactly. he wants to go again. It's not great. This was shit. This was awful. Worst match on the card by far. Yep. But if it had gone well and they'd not botched the spots, it would have been really fun. But it's just every high spot they tried, like, you know, he tries leaping up to the top rope and doing springboards and stuff like that. And every single one of them, he slips or falls or they do a monkey flip out the corner and he doesn't land on his feet. And you're like, oh, God, I know I can't do that. Right. But you're a professional wrestler. You've got to land some of the shit. You know what I mean? I wonder if a lot of it, because I know the WCW ring is smaller than WWF ring. I wonder if it's got anything to do with the tension, the ropes, or anything else to do with that ring setup, which they might have different at the power plant. Because you can imagine power plants not going to have like the modern up-to-date rings. They're going to have like the tough, big old things. So the ropes are likely to be different, maybe, to the ones they've got for live TV. So if they're trying to do some of the flippy shit, if the rope tension isn't there, that that could count towards it. But again, just go out and practice. I think you're being very kind. Don't want to get sued. <laughs> so, oh, fuck that. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. There you go. We can't be sued now. <laughs> Nailed it. That's how law works. <laughs> Absolutely. So we get the same WCW Sting and Young Chap advert from last week. I was hoping Nick was going to be on the pod today so we could get his analysis of this advert. But fuck it. Let's move on. Next up is a Brexit on a pole match. <laughs> <laughs> not really, it's 96. It's Lord Stephen Regal with Jeeves, Jives, Kahivas, however Dusty wants to pronounce it, versus Techno Boy Ya, Alex Wright. Ah, that's Wunderkind. Mate, when I saw these two come out and this match announced, I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. I know they're both good. So Alex Wright is obviously talented the ring, talented in the ring, but Regal, he's the best. This was pre-first drug issue for Regal, wasn't it, when it was Lord Stephen Regal? I think so. Yeah. I, it's so much potential here in 96 to be just the best. And there's never, no one's ever taken away from how good Regal is in the ring how he works the crowd and again it's just his facial expressions his yeah, ability yeah. to sell and tell stories with just the slightest inflections of his his promos just his little nuances he does in the ring just to tell those stories it's an absolute delight to watch the character the style the technical ability he's dictating this match and giving alex Wright every opportunity to be that young prosperous high-flying vibrant sort of character that Alex Wright could have been for them. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's German. That's never going to work with an American crowd in 96. You know what I mean? I think that's fair enough, right? Yeah, I, I regrettably so. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's really, really good here. But again, like with some of the other times, like when you're in the ring with Dean Malenko, it's like that match doesn't count towards your career. Because Malenko is so fucking good, he can make anyone look good. I think the same goes for Regal. <laughs> it's like you could put him in the ring with literally anyone and he'd have a fucking awesome five star match with them, you know. Alex Wright moonsaulted over him and <laughs> rolled him up afterwards. It's really good. It's really good. But having Regal as the dance partner, it's just as you said, there's no taking away from how good Alex Wright is, but I just think that if Alex Wright had done a moonsault over DDP and rolled him up, it just wouldn't have looked as good. I mean 
it sounds ridiculous, but you're 100% correct. The way Regal sells it, and he's like, whoa, as he kind of falls backwards. He's so fucking funny, man. But serious. And wait, so there, there, we need to talk about this. There's a, um, a, a little promo in between this match, and we cut to ads. Oh, yes. Prepare yourself. It's a brave new world. Winter is coming. Blood wait, no, that's TNA. Runs cold. They're literally ripping off the Mortal Kombat music, by the way. (laughs) And they actually even say on this promo that it's Glacier. And I'm like, oh, they spoil it. (laughs) Why would you spoil it? I guess they don't know who Glacier is, but it's, it's, um, it's well done. But will we ever what, see this? What debut? I needed for this Mortal Kombat esque reference is just some little thing to pop up in the bottom right hand corner, going toasty. It's <laughs> <laughs> little bunnies bouncing around, you know. Yeah. So we cut back to Regal versus Alex Wright. What an absolutely cracking little back and forth match of attrition this is. It's really both guys going at it constantly. It's not like your typical shine heat finish, whatever you know, come back finish, whatever. Um, Alex Wright goes for the monkey flip out the corner. Regal holds on to Alex falls flat on his back. Regal with the cradle hold for the one, two, three. Really clever finish. Gives Alex every opportunity for the future, but makes Regal look really strong and technically sound. Um, your winner is Lord Stephen Regal. By a million fucking miles, the best match we've had on any of these shows so far. Well, Eddie Flair was good. That's a fair point, actually. I'll take it back. It's but what they fitted into because like Eddie Flair was twenty minutes, what Alex Wright and Lord Stephen Regal fitted into just over seven minutes, yeah, was was great. You had storytelling, you had near fall, you had European style wrestling, you had high flying bits from uh, Das Wunderkind, and it was it was great. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. It was a real because quite a story heavy show. This has been for Nitro. This was just wrestling for the sake of wrestling enjoyment. But then we get a promo. So before we get to that promo, there's there's two things I always talk about with wrestling that I crave and that when it gets delivered to me, it makes me just feel really good, like enjoying pro wrestling. It's um, uh, context. This match had tons of it. Solid heel face dynamic, clever characters, clever work and everything else, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I forgot the other thing I was going to mention. Fuck, what do I say? <laughs> Had it in the back of my head. Oh, well, let's move on. I'll think of it in a second. What's the other thing I always go on about? Storytelling, uh, in-ring movement, mannerisms, ability to sell, putting someone over, mm, yeah. a ghost. <laughs> mean Gene in the ring with Regal. <laughs> Gene loves a post-match promo. He's doing fucking tons of them for WCW. Earns his money. <laughs> Gene questions Regal on how he feels about Americans. <laughs> Regal immediately starts this promo by going, listen to me, you miserable little toad. You telling me how to act my life is like Quasimodo telling somebody how to walk bloody straight. (laughs) It's great. Oh, Willie. Amazing. Regal manages to corpse Gene by going, mini Adolf over here. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about, right? So funny. Gene has to look away from the camera and turn back and kind of put his tongue in his cheek like yep I heard that (laughs) so good man Regal's so funny so Regal even in his promo where he's getting himself over puts over the Scott Hall incident and is like you know you guys want to come to war with us like I'm going to be the guy you're going to have to go up against all this sort of shit Regal's so fucking on tune with anything he's had what 
20 minutes notice and he's already cutting a promo on what just happened. And as punishment, in a few years' time, he has to go and beat the sh- make Goldberg look stupid. Great match, by the way. I what, in just proving a point? I need to sneeze. Hold on, sorry. Okay, no, maybe I don't. I guess we won't. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna... I was already with commentary style stuff for you there. I was disappointed. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it. Fuck it, let's move on. So, um, yeah, I love that bit where Regal just goes out and is like, fuck you to Bill Goldberg. So obviously didn't like what he did backstage or whatever, you know. That's good stuff. Um, Regal. Oh, well, we forgot. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, don't forget the, the main part of the Regal promo. Yeah, Regal cut, puts a challenge out to the franchise. And I'm like, Shane Douglas? <laughs> They're like, oh, no, he means Sting, the good wrestler. <laughs> well, you can just kiss my ass. All right, Shane Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> That they're insinuating that we're going to get Regal Sting, and I'm like, please say that's on the next couple of shows because that would be great fun. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like transitioning into Crow Sting versus earlier Regal oh, should be good. Blue Blood Regal, like fuck yeah, please. It's time for your main event of the evening: the battle of the awesome theme music. <laughs> it's Sting versus Scott Steiner in our main event. Scotty is looking super roidy. Like he had so- lost the straps completely to his singlet at this stage on the entrance. Yeah, he walks out just like with the straps down, like tucked into his shorts, and you get kind of a couldn't preview. find them. <laughs> couldn't find them because they were so small, and he was probably seeing double anywhere. He's like, what's this? What's this? Sure. It's like a preview of what's to come with Scott Steiner. Like his hair's starting to go a little bit. The mullet's not looking quite as full as it used to. It's dyed like black and it looks a bit odd, to be honest. Trying to picture him then with his little goatee beard and yeah. when it goes, when he's going to start bleaching it. It's not not long, man. Like he's no. becoming that character already a little bit. You can see the separation between him and Scott by even being in a singles match with Sting. Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holla if you hear me generally one of those characters that wcw should have pushed so hard early like i i don't like scott steiner the person but the character is undeniable for wcw big scary terrifying massive technical dude you know he's the reason i got into accountancy (laughs) (laughs) so you wouldn't have to wrestle him (laughs) no because i love adding up just like scott steiner does good luck with your accounts in a few weeks by the way yeah sure sure that's you (laughs) (laughs) so um both lads are in green and black and this is face versus face dx dx yeah dubsy dub dubsy dub um it's uh yeah it's uh there's a random tiger driver by scotty halfway through the match he's been to japan don't you know he's got the knowledge this match is really fucking stiff they do not hold back. But at least, again, we've got continuation from our tag match. Yep, absolutely. They're beating the shit out of each other. They don't give each other a moment's notice. And I think both guys are absolutely loving and embracing it. You could tell they don't mind working stiff because yeah. it's getting, you know, everything is very, very snug. And it's such fast pace. There's moments where Scotty is like sprinting against the ropes and you can see that he's almost trying to blow Sting up and Sting's like, you know I'm Sting, right? <laughs> That's what I do to other people. <laughs> it, it's really fun to watch like two guys like really trying to athletically like compete with each other even if it's not maybe um, the greatest wrestling story 
seemed like an audition for Steiner as well. Yeah. Can you hang with one of our top guys in a singles arena? And he was fucking brilliant. Got to say it. I mean, again, I've not seen much of Steiner in Nitro when he was part of the tag team. It's only Big Papa Pump that I've seen in in the Nitro frame of things. But do you think this was the turning point where they started seeing Scott Moore as someone they could push as a single star? Maybe, but he's definitely one of those victims of Hogan, Macho, Nash, whatever, having that creative control at the top of the card, you know? getting stuck in the NWO and the Wolfpack and along with Bagwell and they never pushed him until they had no one else left and they were like oh yeah we've got Scott Steiner we better put him in the main event scene it's, it's stupid they should have pushed him within a year you know yeah Scotty's bought chainmail yeah exactly so the match eventually does start to slow down and Steiner just starts throwing Sting all across the ring with many different suplexes Sting hits a scorpion death drop at one point and I popped and then I realised no one else was and I was like Evidently, that is not his finisher yet. Nope, that comes in with the crow, doesn't it? I think. I think so, man. Not sure to be honest, but no one pops. Not no one like goes. Wow, Scott Steiner kicked out of the death drop. It's a it's a weird moment if you know what's coming. Um, Scotty dumps Sting with a dragon suplex, and out comes Luger. Like that dragon suplex, fucking hell, man! Dumped him right on his fucking head. Ouchie. Yeah. Out comes Luger. Out comes Rick Steiner. Bocchi McBox on botch onto a suplex to the outside. Doesn't go very well. Luger randomly jumps in, starts like shoving Scott around. Rick jumps in. Schmozing, come in, boys. <laughs> no one's getting put over in this main event. Poor Rick Steiner as well, because like you said, Scott is getting the push. He's gonna get to be big papa pump. And he says, hmm, Rick's, what should we call you? I know, the dog face grip. <laughs> Does seem harsh, doesn't it? So everyone brawls. Nick Patrick calls for the bell as everyone floods into the ring and has a big brawl. The locker room bails out to separate these lads. And that's pretty much the end of the show, apart from one little final segment that Eric Bischoff has been teasing for the last hour of this show. Do you want to go over this bit? Well, we return to commentary as we tend to do on a lot of our nitros and pay-per-views to the commentary team. And uh, as we're saying goodbye... Enter the unnamed intruder, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Double denim, bro. The country booth. Double denim. That's why Bischoff <laughs> was dressed how he was last week. <laughs> He's like, can't wear denim as well as Scott Hall. Shit, leave my denim at home. Um, and he says to Bischoff that he's got a big mouth. And if this is where the big boys play, it's a joke. He tells Bischoff to tell Billionaire Ted and the natural man to get three of his best this is Sting at the same time and Macho Man as well. So his, the three have hit their best to go against them. Yeah, he- Bischoff looks confused. He continues the word we. He ends it with saying, we are taking over. Throws a toothpick in Bischoff's face. It's Lovely. Fucking great, man. It's like they're letting you know that they're setting up a six-man tag without actually saying it it's really clever <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fair play to bischoff as well acknowledging the we who's we yeah who's we they, they say it three or four times to really make you realize that there's something else happening it's not just scott hall you've got to deal with you know yeah and that's that's the the the, the power of that last line we are taking 
over. Yeah. I, and then I didn't know this. The BWO Scott... made that line famous, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this, but Scott actually drops that line twice in this promo to really emphasize it. Like he drops it very, very, very subtly the first time. He just goes, like it or not, we're taking over. Then right at the end of the promo, he goes, we are taking over. And you're like, oh, there's something coming. <laughs> and the toothpick throw to again have the WWF. Yeah, yeah. Link to it. Do you notice how it hit both Bischoff and Heenan as well? Couldn't do that. That's like Kurt Henning style <laughs> stuff there. And we're out of here. That's the end of the show. What a cracking two hours of wrestling, mate. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it, loved it, loved it. The second hour drags a bit. There's a few like, you know, here's a match for the sake of having a match. But then you have Regal and Alex Wunderkind on there. And the main event's really, really fun as well. And you get Giant kind of showing what he's capable of starting the second hour. But it's um, I preferred it when it was like a solid 70 minutes. Like going to two hours to me is, well, 90 minutes of actual watchable wrestling, you know, with ads and stuff. It's, it is I, a tad long, you know. And so the fact that they've gone to three hours nowadays, it's like, it's, it's way too much, man. Like two hours is okay. Like I understand it. But 90 minutes is enough, you know. The two-hour format, I look forward to seeing how they adapt because I think that some of these matches, like the um, Bobby Walker versus Brad Armstrong, I think because they weren't used to timing a two-hour show, they were like, shit, we might be running short. Get someone out here Mm. to do that. Or they didn't think that Steiner and Sting could carry a 15-minute main. Maybe again for uh, TV, for ads and stuff like that. But as you said, the second hour dragged. But I wonder if that's because our primary focus of this episode from like the second hour was not going to be an in-ring thing. It's going to be the return of Scott Hall. Absolutely. I think we have to give them some leeway. First time they've ever programmed two hours. Don't really know how to pace it out, all that sort of stuff. You know, it, it's, it's intense. There's a lot going on. It's not WCW 2000 intense, which is just insane, bonkers. You can't keep track of fucking anything. All the stories have a point they're getting to is what it feels like at this point. Yeah. And as you know, we've mentioned in sort of the last couple of pods for this series, the clues are starting to become planted. We've now got a member of the NWO, this renegade group, the outsider. Oh, that's going to come into play in, <laughs> hopefully in later weeks. Yeah. We've now seen a lot more mentions of Hogan. Luger's suddenly been given a title shot out of nowhere for no reason other than the management committee gave it to him. The championship committee gave it to him. So we're starting to get a lot of distrust. We're starting to get a lot of mystery now into the NWO. And it is a proper slow burn. Yeah. And this is, but this is the real first foundation. And I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but this episode of Nitro is so integral to the professional wrestling business that we know today. Yeah, going from where we were at Slamboree to where we are with this show and Scott Hall debuting, it, it's becoming a different world. It's it's really fun how when we watched Slamboree, it was silly and there's a terrible tag team tournament that makes no sense and et cetera, et cetera. It's very much, this is what we know pro wrestling to be almost. It has those title matches, We've got a tournament that we've done and now we're doing soap opera television with Scott Hall coming through the aisle, sorry, through the crowd, jumping in the ring, interrupting an amazing debut of Blake Beverly. You know, it's it's 
it's great fun. Even the stuff with Flair and Savage in the NFL, it's um they're crossbreeding storylines and getting somewhere with it. Like Flair fucked your wife. Exactly, man. It's it's so much fun. Absolutely love it. I I've really enjoyed this episode. Uh, again, from a cornflake rating. I've given it a four because of the impact this show had on professional wrestling, how it was structured and trying to view it as if I was watching it in 96. It was just for that storytelling, that shock factor. Plus, Regan Alex Wright was very, very good. I think from a from an in-ring standpoint, if you took out the Scott Hall promo, this would have been a two. But how well it was executed and how well they went off the air just boosted it automatically to cornflakes by me. And I'd be, as I already am, for what we're going to do for next week on the pod, if I was watching Nitro in 96, I'd be like, I need to find out what's happening next week. Who are we? Yeah. And it's finally given me a reason to watch the next week. This is the greatest thing WCW ever did. Uh, Hands down. This and Goldberg are the two things they did very, very well. But Goldberg was not clever. It was just exciting at the time. This is really fucking clever. You look at what this show has, right? Firstly, we've got Bobby Heenan, Eric Bischoff, Larry Zbysko, and Tony Schiavone on commentary, who are all flying at this time. They're motivated. They're excited. They're funny. They're, they're, they feel like they've had all the restrictions taken off and they can say whatever the fuck they want on commentary. You've got an opening match of just like American males and Flair and fucking uh, Arn just going crazy with their amazing promos and silly storylines and everything. We had a hilarious softcore gay porn segment <laughs> with the NFL people. We had There's nothing I enjoy more in professional wrestling than softcore gay porn. <laughs> oh, wait, four, five, 50, 50, 50. We had Scott Hall debuting, okay, for the first time, everything. We had terrible finishes we had the shark <laughs> cutting an amazing promo we had the giant doing his thing we had lex luger and max doing terrible stuff in the middle but then you had a really botchy match that's really fun to talk about and potting you know what i mean an amazing match with alex wright and regal they kind of came out of left field a little bit you had a fucking killer main event of two monsters like testing each other and then this awesome tease at the end it's perfect television. It's really, really well done. The Luger match really killed momentum for me. Yeah. In this. But maybe like, a, I, like I know, a good TV show or a movie, you need that little dip to kind of give you that ending, you know? Yeah. And, and the ending, it delivered. Yeah. Absolutely delivered. I think from memory, uh, looking at endings and again, taking out what we might see in the next few weeks, there's this ending. There's Punk's Pipe Bob. There's the Nexus debut and when the terrible mannequin got thrown into the river (laughs) by The Rock with Austin, they're like the big ends for wrestling shows that I remember. I would stick uh, Austin Stunning McMahon as well in there. Oh, yeah. Was that at the end? I thought that was like partway through a show. Maybe you're right, yeah. I'm just thinking of like, you know. (laughs) But yeah, moment. I mean, that that shifted it for WWF because that was, this is what everyone wants to do to their boss. Yeah. So, what do you think? Think it's going to keep getting better or is it all downhill from here? I think it's going to keep getting better because mm, now I'm the seeds sure. are planted. <laughs> now it's going to be more of the who are we going to trust? I think this, Who can we trust? I think, and I think mm. that storyline is going to help build up the rest of the card. Uh, just to throw it out there, I gave this a four of Cornflakes as well. That Scott Hall promo is worth a four by itself, to be totally frank. 
Um, I guess we'll Plus find out. Plus I want out. more softcore gay porn. <laughs> I guess we will find out on next week's podcast where we will be doing WCW Monday Night Nitro. Sorry, Monday Nitro. Number 38 from the 3rd of June, 1996. So if you want to watch that along with his listeners, please go ahead and check that out on the network. So, are we playing a game? You got something prepared? I have a game for you. Let's do it. Our current WCW champion in our pod world is the Giant. Mm. Now, he made his debut in 1995 as a member of Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom. Sullivan, my son! Yep. I'm going to play a game... It's not hard. ...called Heal or Face. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm going to give you a year... And I want you to tell me if during that year, if Big Show was heel or face. Like he was one of those for a solid year at any time. (laughs) This information has been provided to me by the uh, Big Show heel face timeline on WrestleTalk.com. Outstanding. Who wrote it? Do you know? Uh, Let me have a quick look if I can see it. Written by James Dixon. Cool. Okay. Okay. So, and as you said... There will be uh, a couple of uh, multi-answers, which I will explain as we go through as I pick pick here. So, we will start with a nice easy one. We're going to start in the year 2000 at the Royal Rumble. Was Big Show heel or face? How is that an easy one? Hold on. So, 2000, is that when he makes his return with the short hair? Hmm. Because 90... Nine. Think, think who won the Rumble in the year 2000 leading on to WrestleMania 2000. Like I remember anything that happened in the past. Okay. So two, what was the main event at WrestleMania 2000? It was WrestleMania the, 16. the six-way bollocks, wasn't it? It's the four-way bollocks. Whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. The man in every corner. Yeah. But why? how did they end up getting there? I'm trying to think. Oh, it's when... This rumble was also on Channel 4. Is it when Show and Rock go over the top rope at the same time? Correct. Was he heel or was he face? He was heel. Correct. Good stuff. The year is 2001. Yeah. WCW invades. Is Big Show heel or face? When they invade or during the invasion? When he, when they invade. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a bet that he was a heel when they invaded. He turned face when they invaded. So yes, congratulations. So he was already a heel is what we're getting at, yeah? Yes. Good. <laughs> Ridiculous. Less than a year. <laughs> don't worry i'll get, we'll go through some of the the better years okay. of the big show two on the board the year is 2004 okay now you're getting into the area where i'm like i just tuned out so much around this time period was he a heel or was he a face in 2004 jesus can i ask which wrestlemania year that was uh yes that would have been WrestleMania 20. Okay, WrestleMania 20. 
I'm going to say he was a face. That's fun-loving Big Show, isn't it? Correct. Let's so go. basically, he returned after some time off. He chokeslammed a heel GM Kurt Angle off, off the stage, yeah. leaving Angle in a pile of his own blood, and then feuds with Angle, even though he's now a face, and he's chokeslammed the heel GM and left him in a pile of blood. <laughs> I think that was potluck. I think I got the wrong year in my head. But anyway, three on the board. Let's keep going. Okay. Do better than this than I have the other one. <laughs> this is going to be... Um, well, no, let's let's carry on where we're going. Uh, do, do, do. So we just went to 2004. Let's, where are we? Let's, okay. We will go to 2006. ECW has reformed in this time. Yeah. I believe RVD was current WWE champion this time. Edge and Cena were all feuding at this time. But what was the Big Show doing? Was he heel or was he face? He was a face. Incorrect. Oh. He was a heel. He sided with Heyman, defeating RVD to win the ECW title. Oh, does that make him a heel? Okay, no worries. It's because I, I liked RVD, Heyman. RVD. So if he sides with Heyman, he's face to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. First one missed. We'll try another string here because I was going to move on to 2008. However, he was both in 2008. But Rich, I asked you this question. This question. In 2008, how many times did he turn heel and how many times did he turn face? 2008. Give me some context. Like what WrestleMania was that? 2008. So that would be WrestleMania 24. 24. Jesus Christ. I have no idea what that main event was. Wait, tw- At Mania 24, 24 was... he was fighting Mayweather, but considering yeah. that there were a number of changes in the year 2008 for the big show. Um, that was the time that Michaels and Taker were feuding, wasn't that? 2004. Yeah, no, no. That was the year after. Okay. <laughs> so, how many times did he face and how many times was he healed? Let's go twice face, three heel. Very good. You got the face right. He returned to WWE in 2008 as a face after dropping a lot of weight, opened his little jacket, was like, everyone's like, oh, he's got abs. Only to almost instantly turn heel against Mayweather. Yeah, I remember that one, obviously. And then he changed back straight away, didn't he? Uh, he then uh, he turned face um, uh, and... <laughs> in mid 2008 and then near the end uh, he turned on The Undertaker yeah. <laughs> had an affair with Vicky Guerrero and formed a tag team with Chris Jericho and The Miz god I don't remember the Guerrero stuff I remember the tag team with The Miz and uh, obviously Jericho but like yeah it's a Jerry show and isn't it yeah. I will jump back in our way back time machine because we love a big show um, big show question for the end of the game well, well, but the penultimate question, the year is 1999. <laughs> Big Show turns heel and face several times in this year. Okay. Rich, how many times was he heel and how many times does he face in 1999? Jesus. So he came in as a heel. That would have been some Valentine's Day massacre in 99. Remember, this also does cover WCW. What, in 99? Well, obviously, he was there before he joined in Valentine's Day Massacre. Was that 99? I thought it was 98. Fuck, yeah. okay. No. So, February 99 is when he comes in. He came in as a heel. 
and then he almost does nothing straight away after that because i remember that they completely flopped his bush and so i think he turned face almost immediately so that's heel to face that's like what one change we're counting that well it's how many times was he heel how many times face so yeah he was heel once and face once so far so one and one okay he then gets used as he should have been used as a heel later in the year i remember that I don't remember him going face again. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to go two heel, one face. Well, he's in 1999, he was still in WCW. And he turned face after the finger poke of two. Yeah, he's a face then. (laughs) Okay, so two and two I'm going with again. And then you're right. He debuted at Valentine's Day Massacre as a heel in McMahon's Corner. Yeah. He then turned face at Mania 15 like, after taking out Vince McMahon. Against Vince, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so he dumb. Then turned, he, he then turned heel later that year to join The Undertaker to form the Unholy Alliance with the motorbikes. Oh, I left him in the desert with a fucking condom and a fish and chip wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> and a video of Kevin Green and Mongo McMichael. <laughs> But then don't worry, because The Undertaker got injured. So again, later that year, Big Show turned face and won the WWF title to replace the injured Steve Austin at Survivor Series. The second you mentioned that promo, I was like, oh yeah, he swaps after that as well, because Taker gets injured, doesn't he? Fuck, okay. So you've got three face and two, sorry, three heel. No, I can't even, sorry. Yeah, I was right first time. Three face, two heel in 1999. Ridiculous. I forgot about the Taker turn, yeah, yeah. So I will ask you the final question. Since his debut in 1995 as a heel in WCW, per the published work of James Dixon off of WrestleTalk, <laughs> how many in total turns has the Big Show had? I will count his debut as turn number one. So read that question to me again. So from 99 till when? I suppose he was last active realistically. His last turn was actually in 2018. Yeah, so so today, basically. How many times has he been fe- heel and face, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so let's work out the law of averages here. So from 99 to 2018. So, okay, roughly 20 years, let's say. Then what, three or four changes a year at least? You're making me do maths, you bastard. I don't want to try and help you. Remember, he did have a lot of a couple of years out when he was told he was fat. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so put that into your fa- put that into your formula. <laughs> let, this is let, great let, podding. Let's go forty-two <laughs> changes. According to your colleague, he had thirty-four career. <laughs> I'm pretty close. Heel face changes. <laughs> Ah, that's great fun. So there you go. Big show, heel or face, 34 turns. The more you I know. can happily tell you in my wrestling career, dating back to the mid-2000s, I have turned once, and that was this year <laughs> <laughs> when I turned face. And it wasn't exactly planned, was it, either? You kind of naturally did it. The fans kind of turned you face, right? Yeah, fucking fans ruining my creative storyline. <laughs> yeah. That's to good, get me though, over man. that's how pro wrestling should be like you know naturally go with the story and 
you know, as the character arcs develop, not like Big Show. <laughs> it's just like, ah, fuck it, we need a heel this week. Change him. If if I ever do wrestle again, I've decided I'm now going to turn every show. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we leave it there? That's, uh, I think we're good here. Yeah. What a great pod. So uh, remember, anything you want from our archive is worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Um, we're carrying on with our Nitro. Let us know what you think. Leave us a comment. Um, if you don't already subscribe on I, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you like what we do, leave us a review. Tell us what you think. And also, go and check out our new friends over at Superkicks Apparel, um, sprkix.com. Use the promo code NWO to get yourself some free shipping. I'm going to go and have a look at that afterwards. I've got mine just burned. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Uh, where can we find you on social media, good sir? I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I am at Fanboy Rich. Uh, join us on World of Rest Pod on Twitter. Give us a shout. Suggest some more storylines because I am absolutely loving doing this kind of connected shows week to week rather than just kind of spot shows. And I think we'll do the odd spot show here and there because that was the whole purpose of starting the pod was to see other wrestling out there that we've always intended on watching but never had the opportunity to. This will t- this so essentially yeah this is going to take us up to the run really before Christmas where we'll probably do a couple of bonus pods a couple of spot shows which will lead us up to nicely episode 100 and then then we might be on to our next series really thank you everyone for listening really appreciate you we've without wishing to be a dick about it we've more than doubled our numbers recently so hello to all our new listeners thank you very much for listening hope you enjoy it give us a sub yeah yeah thanks guys we re- again this all started off as just as therapy for us with our stressful lives parenting but we love wrestling we love bad wrestling we love good wrestling and the fact that anyone sticks around to listen to us ramble on for two hours each week is an absolute delight so it's a pleasure to have you with us and to be in your ear holes fucking a bye 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 The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg.